0: Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable
1: slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash VDJ. This activity is supported by an independent educational grant from Biogen. Welcome to this Peer Voice panel discussion on Alzheimer's disease. This activity comprises one presentation featuring Dr. Sharon Cohen and patient advocate Craig Burns. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues.
0: Hello, I'm Dr. Sharon Cohen. I'm a neurologist specializing in Alzheimer's disease, and I'm the medical director of Toronto Memory Program. Welcome to this activity on understanding the needs of patients with Alzheimer's disease. I am absolutely delighted to have joining me today, Mr. Craig Burns. He is a thoughtful, articulate individual who has been a huge advocate for those living with early Alzheimer's disease. And I really appreciate Craig's insights uh, and, and his willingness to share his personal journey. Welcome, Craig.
1: Very good to be with you, Dr. Cohen.
0: So, Craig, can you tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of what were the symptoms that prompted you to seek medical attention? We know that individuals who are developing Alzheimer's disease can have forgetfulness, but they can have so many other symptoms and they can manifest in different ways. What was it for you that made you feel something wasn't right?
1: Uh, Well, Dr. Cohen, from uh, what I recall, this was back in uh, 2009. I was in senior management for a a national not-for-profit organization. Uh, the program that we were operating was B.C. Provincial-wide. It had 75 service locations, a large staff, and a very large uh, budget. So I was overseeing that, and so what was happening was I was just having difficulty remembering exactly what I was doing. Um, memory loss, uh, what did I just complete? Or, or, or did I complete it? Or and then I'd have to go back and check. Uh, I was having difficulty doing complex tasks, Uh, spreadsheets that were my spreadsheets. I'd created them and then uh, figuring out it was very, I found it quite confusing. Um, Sometimes conducting meetings with staff and volunteers getting lost, very frustrating. And then in in problem solving, uh, problem comes, what do we do about it? I would stammer. I would, not have, uh, I, I couldn't walk it through in terms of what to come up with a, a, a solution.
0: Understood. So you noticed a change, those around you who knew you noticed a change. And it was, to a large part, memory, hanging on to information, but also multitasking. And we know with this disease, early symptoms can be in the realm of language and word finding, navigating, problem solving. So it can be complicated uh, because there can be a host of symptoms what was your um, concern about what might be going on and uh, what uh, uh, was, was your level of interest in getting a diagnosis?
1: Well, I, because this was happening, then I went to my, uh, my, my physician and described this and uh, I went back a couple of times. Uh, he knew what my, my scenario was as far as my workplace and uh, I'm kind of a um what's the word uh, i i get a lot of things done but i i, I have anxiety I've, i'm always always had anxiety and he attributed it to stress so I, I would say uh i was spinning my wheels uh because the, the solution was that it was stress and so i needed to try and manage the stress in my workplace or change my work setting which i wasn't prepared to do
0: understood and this is so common, Craig, that people who are legitimately experiencing a change in memory or thinking are told they're depressed, anxious, stressed, not sleeping well. And it diverts attention away from the fact that there may be a true brain disease going on. How, how did you actually pursue a diagnosis?
1: Well, uh, along with going to the, uh, my family doctor, I had seen an ad for a clinical drug trial I uh, I'm inquisitive I I uh, contacted them Uh, I went through a long process of qualifying for that including a PET scan and an MRI MRI scan and I really got my main diagnosis from the uh, from the clinical drug trial they said you have the APOE marker in your system and you have Alzheimer's you're accepted into the uh, drug trial well I was happy I was accepted in the drug trial, I was uh, astounded and I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised that I had Alzheimer's. Uh, And I I should mention, my mother had Alzheimer's, so it was in the family um, and I was her caregiver. So I was was working that through with her in terms of providing support for her. But yes, it was the clinical drug trial and that was um, that was 2016, and I'm still in that clinical drug trial. So I gained I gained a great deal, and I have gained a, quite a bit of knowledge and understanding um, through through participating in the trial.
0: Thank you, Craig, for sharing that. And through your initiative, you were able to get um, a, a PET amyloid scan, as I understand it, uh, with confirmation that yes, the Alzheimer's changes were going on in the brain, and this wasn't all anxiety or stress. There was a legitimate Brain disease, and 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 knowing that your mother had this disease, you were at some risk for it yourself. What what were some of your your fears or concerns, or or and and how much was there a sense of relief that you had an idea now what was going on?
1: Well, the I yeah I can't begin to describe the relief in in a way. It, it was it was like a burden was lifted off of me, but then another burden another burden was put on top of me. Oh oh no. Um, and again, my mom lived uh, diagnosed at seventy nine, lived to be ninety. I'm I'm sixty nine, and I was having problems what back in two thousand nine. But um, yeah, so so now I I'm looking to the future to say okay, I, I'm not <laughs> in a lot of ways I'm doing a lot, but I'm just not looking forward to the last stage of Alzheimer's. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I um, I I. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm not describing very well, but I'm just—I don't want—I don't want to go through it. I don't have any choice, but I don't want to go through it. Uh, no. Maybe. Uh,
0: yeah, I, no, I, you, could, you, you describe it you, well. You know, the end stage of this disease is—is uh, is not pretty, and those of us who have seen the disease close up in—in in parents or loved ones—know uh, that the—the the loss of autonomy um and and um the worry about being a burden to family and not having any say in what 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 happens to one is just uh horrific and yet you've had the disease for many years you've lived well you've coped well you've uh you know embraced uh travel and all kinds of activities even if you're not doing them identically to how you did them before, you are still very much a part of your family's life and day-to-day life. So focusing on the present versus the fear of the future is, is, uh, is, is something important, but also planning for the future, which, Craig, I think you, you've mentioned to me, you know, some of the things you've put in place to ensure that, that the future goes as well as possible.
1: Well, I have my father to thank for that. Uh, my dad's uh, area of expertise was the legal profession. So I've put those things in place, uh, uh, power of attorney and will and, and all those different things. And that gives me peace of mind. And I've also communicated that to my adult children uh, as far as where things are at. And so they then know that they don't need to worry about, about that. We, we do decisions together. They don't legislate for me to say, Dad, you have to do this, or "Oh, now we're going to do that. We talk about it. Uh, and I found that to be very helpful as far as sharing, sharing the issue, sharing the subject matter. Okay, what are we going to do about that? What's best? And now they can have a certain amount of peace of mind that I've, I've put those things in place. They know where to find them um, if and when they need to do that.
0: That's, that's awesome. Uh, I think that uh, you know that shared decision making and open communication within the family is so important so that no one family member feels they have to make all the decisions or that you, you know, can't be part of the choices and decisions. So there are so many things that need to be discussed. When it comes to seeking treatment, whether it's you know medications or other sorts of treatment, what are some of the questions that you would have for uh, a healthcare practitioner?
1: Well, I, I deal with, um, I mean, the memory loss is one thing, and uh, I'm hopeful that the clinical drug trial has been slowing that down. If I were to stop, then who knows what what would my memory be like? Are there medications that will assist me? Um, I. I, I can you assist me with my anxiety? Yes, the doctor has answered that question. I'm on a med that that deals with depression and uh, anxiety to a cer- and it does to a certain extent. I don't. I, I'm not about to find out if I don't keep taking that that medication. Um, I don't see a I don't see a a solution for Alzheimer's at this point in time. I'm 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 seeking to. Have the best quality of life i can i 'm contributing to this, to society I, I, I volunteer and advocate in a number of different areas so i 'm wanting to do the best I can with what i 've got and it's, it is slipping even these last two years. I can see things that that are slipping I, I get depressed, i get, I get down i, I don 't want to do stuff, but I get myself back up and say, "Go, do it, keep going and uh, and I have good Um, friendships with others who have dementia we we (laughs) we help each other uh, to work that through and also we understand each other better um, because somebody one person's symptoms might be different than the other so that's I'm being proactive really in in my life at this point in time to be uh, useful I guess that's the way to put it is to be useful in society
0: Thank you, Craig. You're useful to others, but also to yourself and pursuing <laughs> things that are meaningful to you. Yeah. I think that when we, you know, try to educate um, uh, colleagues in, in the healthcare profession, we want to really uh, empower people with shared decision-making best practices. We want people to, to help patients and families identify uh, what the problems are, and what the needs are, and what the interests are. It's not a one size fits all. So what what works for one family is different from another. What works at the early stage of Alzheimer's disease, maybe keeping people in the workplace, or keeping people um, you know, in contact with and having open dialogue with friends and family, it might be different at a later stage of disease where we're not talking about working or driving. We're talking about you know, basic activities, uh, making sure one has the refrigerator stocked and is taking medications accurately. So the needs change over time and we and and the solutions, and you're right, there's no cure right now for Alzheimer's, hopefully there will be in the future, Craig, but right now, we do have things that can help people live better. We can keep people active, we can provide support and education um, there are many different services available, and there are some medications uh whether it's for Uh, you know, anxiety or depression, or actually to help with cognition, to support cognition. And then there are many clinical trials that are available, as you know well, uh, that are the hope for the future, that we can slow down this disease and hopefully eventually stabilize it. So helping people make choices amongst all of these different options requires open communication and I think it's going to be you know, uh, very necessary that we always see the patient at the center of this. It's the patient, it's the family. What do they need? What stage of disease are they at? And what are the multitude of services that might be helpful? And it's going to be individual choices with information imparted and then careful listening to what works for patients and families. So you have really contributed to, um, to our understanding of Alzheimer's disease through your advocacy uh, and, and your very open sharing of, of what is hopeful, how one can live well, but also what is fearful about this disease. And I'm so grateful to you, Craig. I really appreciate all that you're doing.
1: Well, it's my privilege to be able to share. Uh, I figure it's, um, let's, let's talk about it. Listen to people who have Alzheimer's, who have dementia, uh, pick their brain. Uh, uh, see how they see it see how they feel uh, see what they are asking for what they need and and we just we need to listen and then we need to act on it uh, in the in the most responsible way one of the one of the greatest uh, things that I enjoy doing I volunteer for the medical school here I interact with young people who are training to be physicians and I always sneak in somehow whatever the subject area is whether it's uh, a cardio or whatever it is I always sneak in uh young people I have Alzheimer's they look at me and I give them a little bit of an informal education to say here I'm proactive and yes uh I don't look I might not look like I have Alzheimer's once you talk with me you might figure it out but I have a great joy in talking with those students because they're the future they're the future for the for the profession
0: and they will not forget you Craig they will not, you, what you have offered them, an insight into somebody who is very much here and uh, articulate and sharing your experience as a patient is so impactful. Thank you for doing it. Really appreciate it.
1: Very welcome. Good to talk with you.
0: Likewise. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.